0: Welcome to Here She Stands, the podcast where Lutheran women from across Australia come together as a community, sharing stories and testifying to God's goodness. We do this so when the tribulations of this world try to push us down, each woman can hold firm to the word of God and confidently say, here I stand, I can do no other. My name is Lexi, and I am a homeschooling mama of four girls and the wife of a first year pastoral student. I love theology books, classical music, and I'm currently trying my
1: hand at becoming more self-sufficient. And I'm Sonia, a Lutheran pastor's wife, homeschooling mum of two kiddos, homemaker, tradition lover, and all-round crafty person.
0: In today's episode, we will be talking with Claire Kleinig the wife of Dr. John Kleinig. She is also an enthusiastic grandmother and an active church member at St. Paul's Church in Glenelg, Adelaide. Claire, thank you so much for being willing to come on and chat with us today.
2: You're most welcome.
0: So I suppose we would like to just start asking you about your life and your story. We know a fair bit about your husband who has played a huge part in edifying the faith of others through his work but we would also love to hear your side of the story as well so could you please begin by just telling us you know about your childhood and where you grew up and Mm -hmm. about your family
2: okay look I grew up in a very loving kind family my father and mother were both Christians although they both died now but my dad was a school teacher and so part of my childhood was moving around living in different places having to be uprooted and go somewhere else so in that way it was a preparation for being a wife of a pastor have two sisters one and both younger and one of them is still a christian um the other one decided no so that's a bit sad however it was a christian home and it's interesting how this can happen that Growing up in the same place with the same influences and so on and the same teaching, one of the family can decide she doesn't want to be a Christian. I just find that really remarkable. Mm. But I must say that my our family was very diligent in worship. We always went to church. Very rarely spoke about the faith at home. However, my father was very supportive of me in my faith gave me a bible and gave me a hymn book once I started to learn music and I still am influenced by and admire his faith and I'm influenced by what he said he loved hymns particularly and he used to quote to us things like where reason fails with all its powers their faith prevails and love endures which is a good old Methodist hymn by Isaac Watts. Yeah. And then there was another one about the Incarnation where he talks of Jesus, our God, contracted to a span, incomprehensibly made man. And that's just so beautiful. It has made a deep impression on me.
0: Yes, that's beautiful. Mm. So you admire the faith of your father and he has impacted your faith and just this... Yeah. Just the support that he gave you, yeah,
2: and and just being taken to church every Sunday. I mean, you do you learn by that, and things stick. And I think it's so important to give those opportunities to children. And I'm sure, as pastors' kids, yours will have the same.
0: So you grew up Methodist,
2: yes. But as these two Methodist hymn writers show, there was very little that I needed to change in my belief once I became who well, I, I did do study Luther's catechism his large catechism was received into the Lutheran church but there was very little that I had to change in terms of what I believed yeah um, because the church that I went to particularly later in life as you know in my later teens used the Anglican form of the Holy Communion and very clearly said you know this is the body of Christ this is the blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins and that was real for me I didn't have to alter my thinking mm-hmm.
0: so the the step from being a Methodist into the Lutheran church it wasn't this big dramatic no. staying no. up late at night trying to decide whether this was the no. right choice it was just Not gentle and good. normal
2: it was good yes. it was easy Yes. Especially as the Methodist Church was going through a bit of a secular stage. This was before they joined the Uniting.
1: Yeah.
2: And I remember one occasion we had a sermon on road safety. Someone came to talk to the church about road safety. And another Christmas Day when we had a history lesson about Augustus Caesar. Wow. Wow. So, Yeah. (laughs) that was the poverty of it however it was in that church that I learned to play the organ so I can be grateful for that
0: so you play the organ
2: Hmm.
0: oh that's beautiful I want to learn how to play the organ I do play piano but yes since coming into the Lutheran church Mm -hmm. I've decided I want to learn to play the organ that's beautiful I'd love to talk to you more about that
2: Okay one day we can.
0: Yes so I guess one of the the elephant in the room of course is being married to Dr John Kleinig. Mm. So how did you meet John?
2: (laughs) We met at university and so it's a good place to meet good people I think. We both belong to Christian organizations, I belong to the student Christian movement and he belonged to that as well as to Lutheran students. So we, we did know each other through those organisations, or eventually got to know each other through those organisations, but it was in the study of Latin that we actually met. And Dad, again, would say, that's the value of a classical education. <laughs> um, yeah. So we had a lecture on Lucretius, and the lecturer mentioned the philosophy that he had, which was sort of deterministic, and it was being discussed in a journal. He said that it was in this particular journal and we could go and look it up. It was in the library. I had a tutorial in another department straight after the lecture. So when I went down to find that magazine, it had gone. I thought, well, John Kleinig was asking some questions about this. So maybe he's got it. And I did know him by sight. So I went to talk to him and that was it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So cute. May I ask what you were studying?
2: It was Latin, and Lucretius wrote about the nature of things, De naturum raum. I think that's the Latin. It's a long while since I actually did it. But um, yeah, he had some very interesting ideas about atoms swerving and sometimes accidentally bumping into each other, and that's how things happened.
1: Yes. Well, I mean, overall bit... in university, what was your... Oh,
2: right. I, I did a Bachelor of Arts um, yes. and a Diploma in Teaching and a Bachelor of Education.
0: Wow. So I, I just find that really beautiful, just going back to you and John coming together. Yes. But just with the atoms bumping into each other. Mm-hmm. That's really quite sweet. How long after that point before you got married?
2: Well, we were... We were together for four years before we were engaged because John was still studying and I was still studying. Once I got to teach, we became engaged at the end of my first year of teaching and then married at the end of my second year of teaching because I needed to earn money, you see, before we could get married. He was still at seminary. He had to ask to be married. He had to ask to get married because otherwise they weren't too sure whether they did continue with his studies i guess
0: well i've heard that before i've heard that in the past yeah students for different things did have to ask for permission to get married which seems quite unusual in
2: in today's age it does it's better than it was earlier where people were not allowed to date even while they were at seminary but expected to be married by the time they left (laughs) wow (laughs) (laughs) yeah we were at least allowed to marry we lived off campus yes Um, we had to provide our own housing yeah housing but that was a that was okay yes
0: that's really interesting so how long have you been married now about 53 years 53 years yes congratulations Um, it's
2: wonderful every year is good hmm.
0: do you find that I've only been married eight years so still Mm -hmm. very very fresh but Mm -hmm. do you find that as time goes along it just gets better and better just knowing the person Um, even more and um, yeah you
2: do get to know your husband your husband even better but i mean there are times in marriage where things are hard and i guess john's busyness in the schools particularly was one of those things that made it hard his first appointment was luther college melbourne he was teaching every lesson except two on a Friday. Wow. Uh, during which time he travelled to and from La Trobe University so that he could conduct an LSF meeting. Because it's a boarding school, he was looking after boarders at night in their study. He had had to do sports after school Saturdays. He had to take services on Sundays. Okay. It was pretty constant. Yeah. But I, I had, I was able to take part in school life too. And once our first child was born, eventually I was able to do some teaching myself in maths and English. So that was, you know, it was a good, good to be part of that community. And we made some really good friends there. Yeah. But it was exhausting. <laughs> we went back several, you know, many years later and John's just felt tired mm-hmm. being on the campus. That was just yeah. one feeling. And then um, St. Peter's was a bigger school and he was just as busy and the boarding house was bigger and so there were more students to look after. And by that time, we had three children, so it was it was a bit harder to do that with his engagements and, and his time being taken up so much.
0: Yeah, so how did you make it work through the busyness of everything and just through um, being exhausted and tired?
2: Yeah, I guess we still had time to be together. children that aren't awake all day long yeah so at night times we'd make you know we'd we'd be together we'd had time to entertain and see people to go out and do babysitting arrangements were very helpful and we'd make the most of those at St Peter's particularly we had boarding students to come and babysit and of course they loved that Mm -hmm. to get out of the boarding house Um, we had Um, Bible studies at St Peter's I think they were once a week if I remember and they were lovely and so I got to see my husband at work there. Um, I guess one of the big things came once we got to Adelaide and that was we decided that we really need to spend some time together before we went to bed because he was up later preparing stuff and I was ready for sleep so we decided that we'd sit together and pray talk about the day and pray and eventually his timetable changed a little bit and he was able to come to bed at the same time as me mm-hmm. so that's continued now for over 30 years and we do this every night go to bed together talk about the day pray just be you know husband and wife together it's it's really good yeah
0: so not wasting any moments together, not wasting time by, you know, sitting in front of the TV for two hours, but actually being intentional with
2: the sacred time. You do. but you know during the day he's he's still very much involved now with his own things particularly writing and so on yeah Um, tv downtime after dinner is very important for him yeah but when it's bedtime that's what we do together
1: yeah yeah it's so important isn't it just making very intentional time for each other Mm. even being intentional with your tv
0: time i suppose too
2: Well, it is. Yeah, we we enjoy you know watching TV Mm. and follow certain series on Netflix and (laughs) yes on demand and so on. So, how many children
0: do you have?
2: We have four. Yeah, the first was born soon after we moved to Melbourne. The next one was born while we were when we went to. Brisbane four years later, not through any desire of mine. I was ready for a second child earlier, but it didn't happen. Mm. And then after he grew up a little bit, I was ready for a third child, who oh. was quite a difficult toddler. And Hillary was born in Brisbane as well. And then we thought that was it. And that was really all we planned. But God had other ideas. And we while we were in England, we had another, a fourth child. Our bonus baby, we called him. (laughs) Yeah. Because he was not only an extra, but he was also a gift. Yes, absolutely. I mean, they're all gifts, but he was an unexpected gift. Yes. Mm.
0: So what do your children do now?
2: Well, we're blessed again to have them all living in Adelaide. So the oldest, the girl, is a lawyer. She works for the um, government and... Uh, her son Tim is a doctor he's a neurologist and he's a stroke specialist so he's at the Royal Royal Abbey Hospital Mm -hmm. and he um, is the head of the stroke ward he doesn't operate but he's been quite influential in treating stroke victims Mm -hmm. and innovation of technique how to to ameliorate the effects of a stroke so Yes, some, some special techniques that he's developed. Okay. Um, and Hilary is a musician. We always said to her, you know, if that's what you love, you do it and you know, God will find a way of making that work. Um, she has had a string quartet mm-hmm. which folded after 20 years. They were really quite well known. And now she's teaching at Brighton High School because she decided that she really needed to help earn some money because the string quartet wasn't making all that much so she studied and did a, a master in education uh, and paul our bonus baby is a palliative care doctor at flinders so yeah all well established well established and all with children yes how many
0: grandchildren do you have
2: it'll be 10 10 to so the, the Um, the two boys have three and the two girls have two children each
0: so you've got all your grandchildren in Adelaide with you
2: yes yes that's been wonderful that's
0: beautiful so do you have the big family gatherings where everybody comes home and oh
2: we do we used to do it more often but now yeah, children are older and maybe our place isn't quite big enough to hold all of them especially you know the younger ones want to get outside and do things but we With John's 80th birthday last year, we had everybody together for lunch at a winery and we'll be doing the same for me this year. Mm. Oh, beautiful. And we do get together for Christmas, Easter, sometimes um, birthdays as well. So not all of us all the time, but it's, it's good. We yes quite a lot
0: and it's such a great blessing that you're able to live close to your children and your grandchildren yeah because is. so many people are not able to see their their mm. children or their grandchildren because they're living in different states or I've got a brother who who's actually living overseas and mm-hmm. yeah not not being able to to see them
2: regularly it's it's such a blessing to be able to be close to family yes and to be able to help too this is what you know Grandmothers like to help to be yes. involved in the lives of their grandchildren. So I've looked after most of them for the first couple of years of their life. Maybe some of them are a little bit longer. And we're still called on occasionally to do after-school pickups and so on, yeah. which we enjoy very much.
0: What do they call you? Do they call you Grandma? Nana. Nana.
2: That's beautiful. <laughs> well, my mum was a Nana and her mum was Nana to me. So that's a bit of a family tradition. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you've certainly
0: had a very busy life, especially in regards to John's work.
2: Mm-hmm. So you mentioned England. Yes. So you
0: lived over in England for some time.
2: That was lovely. I was quite ready to uproot the family and go because, I don't know, I've just had this idea of England as being sort of a second home, just reading as a child all the inner Blyton stories, for instance, mm-hmm. um, and lots of others um and to go there was just like seeing my books come alive and we were going to Cambridge which is just such a beautiful city um we spent 2 years there Hillary was only 2 at the time and by the time we came back after 2 years Paul was with us yeah so for me at that time it was a big relief after and a big change after St Peter's and the hectic time there hmm. John was actually quite exhausted and was very sick for the first couple of weeks just run down and mm-hmm. um, but it gave him time particularly to bond with Hillary who is the youngest of our children at that point and there are some lovely stories about what they did together and i just got to know the people in the neighborhood who are very very friendly i eventually played the organ there because someone's heard me play a piano and said oh you can play for church so i did that and yeah it was it all worked it was lovely it was really a very happy time
0: i've seen some photos of cambridge Mm. and it takes your breath away it's just beautiful Mm. the buildings are beautiful and yeah it looks like it's straight from a storybook
2: yeah, I did have dreams of playing uh, one of those little in those little old churches and getting to play their organ because you know, that was one of the things that I did. That didn't happen, but you know the the Lutheran Church in Cambridge is associated with Westfield College or House, which is a theological college, and they they needed an organist. So there I was in this modern building <laughs> playing an electronic organ, which was not. Quite what I had pictured myself doing, but yeah. I was playing the organ after all.
0: Yes. With all the moving around and with all of the work that John has done, how have you been able to support him and encourage him throughout his ministry?
2: I think being willing to go, I think that's the most important thing. And one of the reasons he thought it was okay to marry me was that I had no objection to being, him being a pastor. Yeah. In fact, in my teams i was very influenced by a couple about in a methodist church who had been missionaries in south africa i thought that would be really nice thing to do it'd be a good thing to be a missionary it didn't ever happen even though when john graduated he said he'd be happy to go to Papua new guinea he was sent to luther college instead Hmm. so yeah i just been ready to go where he goes and support him wherever i can it's just supporting is just being there I think being willing
0: yeah just being willing to move wherever God took your family and wherever God called him yes I would love to ask more questions about your faith journey
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you mentioned that your father with the hymns and how there were hymns that really impacted you yes have there been other books or authors that have deeply encouraged you in your faith journey?
2: Yeah, can I just go back a little bit to yes. when we were at Minneton and I was uh, I was thirteen, and we did the Methodist Church was really very strong there, mm-hmm. and we had several preachers whose ser- sermons I can still remember, which is quite incredible. And we had a religious instruction teacher. Who came, and you'll probably laugh at this knowing John, who, pre- who talked to us about the temple and the sacrifices in the temple, which is one of John's big topics, mm-hmm. and how these sacrifices were not sufficient, but Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was. But the God emphasized the fact that God is holy and that we aren't, and that we need to repent and be saved. With yes and Jesus and that just moved me so deeply he said he even asked for people is there anyone who wants to I don't know even what the question was who wants to dedicate their life who wants to be saved or whatever it was that got my gut and I just had to stand up yeah. And I'll never forget that so right from that stage I was convicted of my sin and wanted to be right with God Yes. So I guess that was the start of my being conscious of my faith.
0: Yes, the Holy Spirit did it work in your
2: heart. That's right. Yeah. And So by the grace of God, I've been able to be faithful to that.
1: Yeah, that's Mm.
0: beautiful. And you and John, you pray together every night before you go to bed. Yeah. Do you do Bible study together or devotional time together?
2: Yes, we have done all through our married life. And this is one of the things I loved about John's family. When I'd stay with them, there was always family devotions at night. And so we've done that. We've used a devotion book, had a reading and a devotion and a prayer. When our children were growing up, it was little visits with God. And later on, we read arch book stories to them. Our prayers varied. On one night, it would be a set prayer, a bit of a litany that John prepared. The next night it would be individual prayers and the next night it would be singing hymns around the piano. Mm. So we continued that practice while our children were growing up and until they left home. So yeah. I think on the third day it was probably a Sunday night we, didn't, we had a different prayer. John always prays for everyone in the family, all his brothers and sisters, all my sisters and their children and so on. So that's that's what we do now the yes. and still do on a sunday
0: so once again just being very intentional and oh, yeah. yeah it's it's lovely that you actually pray for the extent like for the extended family as well with yes. the, his brothers and sisters and your sisters because i think quite often we kind of get stuck in a bubble and we just get focused on our own problems
2: or our own needs and
0: yeah family is so mm-hmm. important and they definitely need our prayers
2: too yeah, so I guess our, you know, our prayers at night when we pray as a couple always include our children, and my prayers in the morning after I've had my breakfast and had a devotional reading time then include prayers for my children as well. So they're they're constantly in my prayers, and then during the day, you know, you think of people and you pray for them. So. That's how it goes.
0: Yes, that's one thing I've been thinking about recently is the scriptures talk about pray without ceasing. Yes. And I've been thinking about as a busy mum when -hmm. you've just got so much going on, Yeah, praying without ceasing, it seems like a really big ask. But Mm -hmm. as I've been pondering on it, I've been really thinking about how there are so many moments throughout the day when I'm not necessarily like I'm unstacking the dishwasher mm. and I'm thinking about something I read or I'm thinking about a movie I've seen mm-hmm. and just being convicted that that's a beautiful time to pray yeah
2: that's you right. can
1: also pray about what you read or what you saw yes yeah I find myself just talking to God about I don't know that movie or that book or my child and how annoying it is
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. okay yeah I I think it's It's more a a heart attitude that you're always open to God and his spirit and so, as you say, you just chat with God. Um, You bring people before him, you say thank you to him for his gifts as they occur and they're always happening, Um, the little things as well as the big ones.
1: Yes. You don't hang up the phone during the day, you just keep
2: talking. That's right.
1: Yes, and
0: it's just, I guess this may sound a little bit strange, but just realising we're not in a
2: monastery where no. we can
0: just sit and pray for hours and hours on end with no interruptions. I'd find that really difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're not living in a monastery. The good Lord has given us good work to do. And mm-hmm. Some of this work is really noisy and messy or requires yeah. a lot of thought but that we can still pray and we can, like you said, it's it's a heart posture, it's an attitude um, yeah. of being humble before God and just being thankful and grateful and bringing our petitions to him.
2: Yes, and I guess asking him to bless what we do. So whether it is, you know, stacking the dishwasher or helping your children, whatever it is, that's all part of the work. I love that bit at the end of the Ephesians too. You're saved by grace through faith, not by works. Yes. But we have been created in Christ for works which He has prepared in advance for us to do. Yes. And I think this is so helpful that He has prepared the works and we just have to follow His prompting, the prompting of the Spirit. Yes. And He'll do us work as, as, you know, it's all part of the calling, the vocation that we have as Christians that. Wherever we are, God has given us work to do.
0: Yes, and that work, may we may not always recognise that work because it just might not be what we expect, but it's still mm.
2: important and it, it's still holy work. That's right. Well, got just the other day I was thinking about a friend of mine whom I've invited for lunch and I wanted just to check in with her to see how she was because she's having chemotherapy and she was in a very, very difficult situation and she needed that phone call she's had a port into her chest to receive the chemo because her veins are so thin and poor and hard to find and they couldn't take blood out of it so she was in a real spot but my phone call about another matter was able to be of comfort to her i hope you never know what god is going to use
0: yes just follow the spirits leading as you said before Mm. Mm -hmm. and he will bring the work to you yes we don't have to chase it i don't think no following jesus is there's always something he always brings something he's always doing something in your life Mm. so what have been some of the greatest lessons that you have learned in regards to your faith
2: well that one particularly yeah and just that we're saved by faith Mm -hmm. um, and to trust that God knows what is best for us, that he has done all that is needed for us and that we belong to him. And the other thing, you know, those that he has, no one can snatch out of Jesus' hands, that we are in God's hands. I think it's just a matter of trust. And the worst thing I think would be to lose the hope in the promises of God that we do belong to him.
0: Yes, we need to remind ourselves
2: every day that we belong to him. Hmm. that he is our God yeah, and that we can trust him. Yes. So nothing terribly profound, but that's that's it as far as I'm concerned. And I, as I said, or you asked me about books that I've read, can I speak about that just for a sec? Yes, of course. Because it's interesting, one of the books that I read when I was at university and introduced to John was called Let God Be God, and I didn't remember anything about it until I went to his library shelf and found it. And the subtitle is An Interpretation of the Theology of Martin Luther. Mm-hmm. And I'd forgotten that that was, that was what it was. But that's it, really. Let God be God. And this is quite a, a scholarly book, and it's written in fairly old-fashioned language, but it's by Philip Watson, who's a Methodist. Mm-hmm. And really, really interesting. Another one was Abide in Christ by Andrew Murray, and I'm still learning about that. Another was The Screwtape Letters of C.S. Lewis, and it made an impact on me by the fact that I, in my sinful nature, fully understood what Screwtape was advising his correspondent. Yes. And to see how perceptive and even prescient Lewis was in his understanding of modern society. We haven't really changed all that much since Mm -hmm. C.S. Lewis was writing yes a devotion book i return to again and again is god's word for today by ole Hallersby, but i think it's out of print his book on prayer still is available but the devotion book is beautiful okay. and lately i've been delving into the concordia commentary series yeah for instance, isaiah 40 to 55 during Lent. yeah and hebrews when the lca devotional series seemed to ask for a bit more and luke which i love when i was preparing for bible studies that was a time when we had no pastor and i sort of volunteered to take a Bible study group
0: yeah so you you really do enjoy reading
2: i do yes
0: Well, I think this is a really beautiful place to finish off our chat today. But thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and how the Lord has been faithful and also encouraging us to just, you say it, you said it's, it's, no, it's not profound, but it's profound in a very simple way of simply just trusting, trusting Mm -hmm. and letting God be who he is. Yes. Our heavenly father who provides and cares for us mm-hmm. and we belong to him right. so, so thank you so much claire we really appreciate
2: having you on today thank you very much for asking me it's a great privilege god bless you
0: thank you for joining us today on the here she stands podcast we hope that this episode has encouraged your faith you can find here she stands on facebook and instagram or you can email us at here she gmail.com. If you would like to subscribe to our newsletter, please go to our website at online and fill in the subscription form. This way we can keep you updated with all the latest news and also send you links to new episodes as they are released. If you haven't already done so, please check out the episode we did with Georgie Grieger, where she talks with us about art and beauty in the church. Our next episode will be in two weeks when we sit down and chat with Meg Pierce. Meg lives in Adelaide and is married to a Lutheran minister. She will be sharing her story and talking about the joys and challenges of caring for dying loved ones. Until then, we pray that you will hold fast to God's word and confidently say, Here I stand, I can do no other.